Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for joining us for another week of Take Two. Another busy week as always. Mara Carabella is here, Greg Hughes. And Mara, we want to thank you because this is your last official week before Jim DeBacchus comes back. But we're hoping you come back with us because... We love talking and having great conversations. Certainly, it's been fun. Yeah. I'm so sad. I hope this doesn't ruin your street cred, but it's been so much fun not having Jim <laughs> here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't believe it. You know? I know. But let's not get too nice because we want to have some like good discussions yes. here for just a minute. So here we go. Uh, first, we have to recognize this is a weird day. Mother Nature really is not being nice. We have um, homes that burn down overnight in Bountiful. We've got firefighters out there doing a great job. And I know many people like me and others in the state here are watching their families in Florida right now as we have this hurricane that's yep. coming up the coast. So uh, a lot to talk about in the news world and a lot in politics, as always. Yep. So um, this shouldn't be political, but I'm going to make it. U of U versus BYU. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg, but your team really sucks. You know what? I, you know, when you're young and you have a team, you know, hope springs eternal. Yeah. You, just, you just always, there's always next year. I'm too old for this, okay? These games have You're been closed before. You're clinging to your Heisman Trophy winner? BYU gifts the University of Utah at least 14 points every time they meet through pick sixes and, yeah. t you know. And I haven't even asked I Mara where she falls. So probably I not cannot your team. stand no. giving them <laughs> points. It's bad enough if they win, but if you gift it to them. Gifted. It makes it harder. All right, they got to pull it together. I know the U was even only playing at half speed, and they were still doing. <laughs> you that. know what? I, so I mean, that must uh, be the, hard. But I, the I, '80s I, were great, Greg. The you know, '80s were the terrific. '90s were bad either. I'll just let you I mean, know. '90s were bad. So my only major comment here is that tonight, uh, the best quarterback in the state of Utah is playing. Jordan Love is going to go on the field with Wake Forest. They're out of town, but Utah awesome. State University's quarterback is in the Huntsman run for the Heisman. He's not going to get it because they're in a conference. I get all There's that politics. stuff. And I know that, but I tell you, if you want to see good football in the state of Utah, watch Jordan Love play with Utah State. She gets excited about those Yeah. So how do you, do you know Jordan Love? Said the Tell us what you know. Said the Steelers know. fan. Are you just a Utah State Steelers. fan in general? Utah State fan. Jordan Love is terrific. He is and, awesome. And Utah State's always off the radar, right? And we're yeah. never paying attention. So I just say at the end of Rivalry Week, they're playing great football. Contest, wasn't it? That's What's good. I yeah. yeah. You really do need I'm going to need you to understand football I better like But you're a BYU fan, and I, like I get that. I, like I get Utah it. State, it's about actually. the uniforms. More than I like Utah, I like You Utah should go State. check them out. I went to a game last year because my daughter's an Aggie now. Yes. And it was awesome. Very I went to the game, team. and I was like, this is fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know what? Logan's the biggest small town in America. It is It is a great, great town. Yeah. I love going up there. Yeah. I, do. I love the school. I actually do. I I'll be back. Crazy. Parents weekend again. Kids Very love nice. having their parents at school. Go Aggies. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Inland Port, uh, there was a little movement this week. There was an agreement for the Salt Lake City mayor and the council Mara, when you look at this, does this mean anything? Does this mean a step forward, or is it just a little something? So part of me, I want to unpack this a little okay, bit. Okay, let's I do. Because I think we're conflating 
uh, the land use policy with, with uh, Salt Lake City, a little with the Inland Port. Okay. Both of them are in the same area. That's really important. But if I'm watching, particularly if I'm watching from an environmental protection point of view, I think you really need to separate Salt Lake City from the Port Authority. And uh, two things are going on. And so the Salt Lake City has land use planning. They do entitlements. They do jurisdictions. Port Authority actually can't do land use planning. So this week what happened was Salt Lake City had offered an agreement two, three years ago to a developer, a series of developers. Yeah. It's a pretty aggressive agreement. Um, I, I'm one of those that wants to see more protection um, and, and, and less given to, it, to developers. And that's what Salt Lake City was grappling with this week. And we keep saying Inland Port is a generic. So Salt Lake City is still the land use planner for that area. Port Authority is the people now in charge of a controversial tax increment that we still have some discussions about. The state came in and took this tax increment, and that's the nature of the lawsuit. But there are three different things. Salt Lake City is doing. And and so this week, yeah, there's a robust conversation to be had. I think there's some accountability to be asked for on the part of the city that offered these developers a pretty good deal here. And people should be concerned and want to watch that. People who also want to talk about what's the Port Authority going to do, how are they going to use their tax increment to to reflect the values that I have. In my case, I'm watching for the environment. And in between that is the argument that the city and state are having about how much money and some jurisdictional issues. So is the city selling out in part our marshes and our wildlands and our birds and everything that needs to be protected in that area? All I would say is I want the city to be a little tougher on developers that are doing light and, and moderate industrial. I mean, I, I do think that right now the current agreement, in my mind, Challenge that the council has, it's already panned. So this is a little bit of a post-conversation. I, do, I really want to give the council a pass and saying I don't know what they could do at this point. Yeah. But I will say the agreement that was penned by the administration a couple of years ago, from my point of view, gives too much to the developer. Can I assume that you're excited about what the city did and we don't care about so birds? I'm, or? No, I'm glad to hear Mara describe that the way she did because I think that it's been lost with the public. that. I keep hearing this discussion that the city opposes an inland port. It is absolutely the case that this development agreement and reimbursement agreement, these were signed documents articulated in terms of what those reimbursements yeah. would look like, what areas would be developed uh, for, the, for the purpose of an inland port. Uh, right, it was done be- right before we saw the legislation for the inland port on the state level. But if you fast forward to today, you would think that the city opposes the inland port and is litigating against uh, the effort for an inland port. These, these agreements and these reimbursement agreements, which are very, very generous, more so than I think even the Inland Port Board would ever feel comfortable with, these predate the Inland Port itself, which means that your Salt Lake City, Council, Mayor, City, its government, yep. was not only supportive of an Inland Port, but had come to these development agreements and reimbursement agreements of tax uh, increment to those developers to develop in that area before this legislation in the state had passed. and so. When you hear the state or the city talk about we don't want an inland port, they actually do. And I tried to show these documents to some reporters to say, hey, I'm hearing a, I'm hearing a narrative that doesn't match the documents that have been signed and the work being done with developers in that area. The city does expect to develop this area. They do want to see a, an inland port over there look at these agreements but i don't know maybe there's just it's too so what created the regret because it seems like those agreements and there were things going on and then when the deal was sealed as the kids would say 10 years ago hashtag regret what made the regret happen where the <laughs> on, city was on the like city side? yeah where the city's like well we're not fully on board because so i i think that um like 
that hearing where they had to give the actual increment and reimburse yeah. back, that's just fulfilling what you agreed to long ago. In between, when you sign those documents to when you have to send the money to the developers, uh, they got caught up in the legislation in terms of not wanting this inland port to, to have this effort, and they got I think they just got carried away in terms of a narrative that doesn't isn't really consistent with what their decisions have been made in the past. I don't think they regret it. I just think it's coming home to roost that they've always, the city has always seen that area as an area to develop, enhance, create as an inland port. And all the state ever said in its legislation is, you know, being a, a, an inland port with U.S. customs and trade is not a city function as much as it can so be the state made a power a play and the state needs to be held accountable for that but you hold the sanity the city still is accountable for land use planning yeah. the port authority still needs to show us that they're going to use the tax increment in some ways to help our clean air and to help mitigate the the uh environmental concerns we have yeah. i'm just saying there's a lot of entities for us as citizens to look at differently don't let them fool you to say these people are completely responsible these people it's both salt lake city who's paying attention yeah. the council has been good stewards of this issue they're the ones who stepped up and brokered the agreement with the state yeah, the state did true. a major power play they they got i know it's, i know you'll say there are reasons did you feel powerful when you well. did it so, i mean look a u.s customs international inland port uh, and we're seeing this, it doesn't have to just be west of the airport. This inland port's looking at areas or a system that can be in Uena Basin, it can be in Twila, it can be in Ogden. It's so broader than one. So the hub and spoke one, bit we're yes, talking about? Okay. Yes, so it could be yeah. larger than one jurisdiction. That's why you don't want a single jurisdiction to take all of that international trade on its shoulders alone. So it, it was a, it's a better model. It's one that's going to see, I think, a more successful system put in place because it's not confined to just one geographic area, which should make those that are worried about the air shed and the environmental concerns happy that we're finding a way to, you know, to divert and to have some of this commerce or this trade go on other parts of the state. Right. Great idea, but uh, I think that this hearing showed that the city's always been supportive of an inland port uh, <laughs> activity in that area. They showed their sure, cards. They'll appreciate that. All right, we've got a lot of people, it sounds like, that have to be held accountable instead of, I think we do talk about the inland port as if it's this big Monolith. bubble, yes, yeah. and it's not. There are different pieces. All right, this was interesting this week. Um, the AG's office released some videos. They're online. Schools can use them. Parents can use them for firearm safety. Greg, is this going to help? I think they're hoping to help with accidental shootings, uh, possibly suicides. And they say if guns are going to be in homes, we should educate people. Is this going to help keep kids safe, keep families safe? Absolutely. I, look, How you and can't why? on one hand say we need more sex education to familiarize everyone with the with the dangers oh, of we're the risks talk about that involved. In a minute too. I kind of saw that, but I'm <laughs> saying you can't be all in here and then say, we don't need to know anything about these guns. Why would we ever educate anyone on this front? It's the same. You can say it's in the same vein. Um, unfortunately and tragically, gun violence comes, I even say my, uh, by a larger percentage because of suicides and things like that and self-inflicted uh, wounds. So I, we absolutely need to make sure that we're, if you have guns in the home, you're storing them in a safe way and you're keeping them away from uh, youth or children or, or those that could, where an accident could occur where someone would look to harm themselves. Information's good. Good information drives good decisions. Why would we ever think that gun safety and, and teaching people good and best practices would be a bad thing? We should do it as much as possible.
What about teaching? Either of you can answer. Is it good to let your kids know there's a gun in the house, how to use it, how to keep safe? Or does it open the narrative to your child knowing there's a gun there and when they're depressed or they're not feeling good or their friends are over, they want to show them? Information's always good. Yeah. Kids can handle it. Age-appropriate information. Information is power. It's how it's presented. It's who it's presented. I don't think anyone should be opposed to telling people and teaching people more about guns. But what I don't want to get lost in the discussion is, one, the reason we have to is our prolific nation and our love of guns, which I do still object to. The other thing is, I think this is a separate and does nothing for the issue of suicide, mass shootings, and the proliferation of violence in our community. So this is about kids understanding when they see a gun, how to use it correctly. Um, this is not significant movement so on talking baby, about baby suicide. Step. It's not significant oh, movement uh. in talking about shootings and violence. They're, they are categorically different. This is a nice safety measure. This is a nice how to use the weapon. This is a nice when you're walking home from school and you see a gun, don't touch it, call a parent. It's important education, but it does not touch on the subjects that we need to discuss in, as a nation about proliferation, shootings at schools, massive violence, the fear that kids are feeling about those issues are very different than understanding how to use a gun, understanding how to stay safe around weapons. These are gun safety, and I, I'm for the gun safety. I just don't want them to be a red herring for saying, oh, look, we are we're really doing, doing this. We're not doing So maybe this is season suicide. one, and we can come out with a season two, and a season three, and a season we four of like other steps We do like to take the slow education. and steady approach to most preventative things as we... I, I haven't seen the curriculum, but I would hope one of the things in that curriculum is a safe storage of your firearms and guns, which I would hope would impact uh, suicides, at least teen suicides. I mean, young people's access to guns, uh, we, we can do better. We can make sure that we have them in safe and secure areas where uh, those that we don't intend to use them or have them uh, won't, and I think that that should be part of the safety curriculum. So that's a lot of d adult education, and yeah. I hope that you would also encourage, because this is a student-based education level, yeah. and by definition, they're probably not the gun owner. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I am told that by definition, until you commit a crime, all gun owners are, are safe and secure, and I, and I yeah. like that you appreciate that not all of them are responsible gun owners. Well, and I, so I just think you I can always say, add yeah, information to that. I think there's, there's good practices on all fronts in terms of firearm use, but also storage and safety that I think think we need to know more about and we need to be more familiar with. Would you welcome the AG's office here in Utah doing more further talking about absolutely. school violence and yeah, absolutely. suicides? We, we're seeing, I mean, these are these are terrible trends. I know that Utah's worked very hard. Representative Ellison in the House right. has worked very hard on this issue. Utah has a Utah Safe app yeah. where, where right. uh, young people can access that uh, for counseling, for help, to reach out when in need. I know that there's been measurables and good things happening on that front, but this is a different era. To, to your point, Mara, that there's there is a lot going on with our young people and with safety in general. The more we can share good information, best practices, let everyone, youth as well as adults, be aware of some of the risks that are emerging that maybe not didn't exist 10 years ago. We do have to do that. I, I don't want to compel anyone or, or force anything, but we should have this information as available as, as possible. All right, you said sex. One of you did. I so know. I brought it up. It. I, it was my analogy. I said it because I knew this was coming. You knew out, it was so. coming. Okay, so this, I'm like, seriously, Utah, pull yourself together. STDs right now are the most common I disease totally in reject Utah. this stat. You guys come up with stats on this show this that is, I just don't even accept No, this anymore. is real. And I, I think broke, it, no. I broke more than the flu a couple years ago. Yes. More than the flu. So nope. two STDs are topping it. the list for the most common diseases in Salt Lake County. The health department says the current approach <laughs> to sex education is not working. 
chlamydia, and gonorrhea. Yeah. And I'll tell you where more this than is the coming flu. from. Heidi, more than the flu? More than more, more than the reported. Flu. There is a lot how of How many STD people you know get the flu in the wintertime? Are you kidding me? 83%. Okay, how many STDs do people show you? 83% of reported infectious disease in Salt Lake County with kids between 15 and 17. 83%. Of 15 to 17 year olds reporting are sexually I almost disease. brought up three percent of, of what? Which is shocking because none of our All children our are having sex. Wait, wait, wait. What? You're telling me 83 percent of kids from reporting infectious diseases to the county. The ones who are reporting okay, their Okay, so maybe you just don't crazy. report the flu. I, my point is there is no way. I, people get the flu all the time. You My cannot point tell me is, it's as people as our heads as are in the sand and pretending that if we never I, I, speak I, of sex, I, I our children will Every week sex. we have a study that's blowing my okay, mind. I'm drawing the I'm line on blow this your one. Line further. Right here. This, is this not one just, I do not accept. This is not just teenagers. I will not even entertain the premise of this topic. So I turned into the sex reporter here about five years ago. Luckily, kids, it was a, okay? a short stint. I buy this. Um, but there was a problem here, and I noticed the health department sending out some STD numbers, and I was like, what is going on? So I I started doing some homework and Tinder, that was the link. So we have all these grown-ups that used to be 7th and 8th graders in mm -hmm. their classes with sex ed and somehow they've lived monogamous um, Utah family-based lifestyle lives and then somehow they realize that Tinder's out there and they could get a hookup with their neighbor down the street and their wife doesn't know or they've split up but they never learned about condoms so they don't use them and they're spreading gonorrhea and chlamydia. It's a problem, Greg. It's happening in Draper. You're shocked by all of this. And I think your representation of shock <laughs> is why 83% of our children I, I, have an STD uh, when they report there's it. There's a saying when you're in a hole, quit digging. I'm not going <laughs> to say any more other than I don't, I still, if you used any other example, but the flu is very common. I know. Now just have the, to give that I show you how common it There's is. No way. The data no way. that is generated from the county can't. health department, no dog in the fight county health department, is telling us you may want to talk to your kids Maybe it's in like a systemic way about it's so bad you think we you have just to we just it? coalesced around how much we should understand our children should understand how to use yeah. a weapon. Maybe we should coalesce <laughs> that they should understand how to use their bodies, Greg. I'm I don't know. It's of, a thing. I need to get you more education <laughs> okay, that so this isn't the flu we're so talking about. So let's talk about, about education because <laughs> I just signed my eighth grader's papers for listed off each of the fun things he's going to learn. And I signed away and I wanted to add on, could you please talk about this and this and this? But we're still teaching abstinence-based education, which is great teaching kids to abstain from sex, but many of them are going to choose to have sex. So do we need to change the way we're educating kids at school because some of them, many of them are going to choose to have sex and teach them how to put a wrapper on it, how to stay safe, so, how to not make babies, how to not spread chlamydia so I around. Grade, I don't know. Ninth grade. This is going to be I a good story. Sex. Good story. It was very. It was very. Um, it felt more like biology. They waited till ninth else. grade. Sex yeah. is a lot like biology. I but find that there's a relationship yeah, there between is. It's biology. An amazing, it's an amazing correlation. <laughs> but I never found anything salacious about the curriculum, even as a, a ninth grader that would try to, you know, right. make fun of everything. Um, and they did even talk about contraception. You know what the big takeaway for me in ninth grade was? And maybe that is later in the curriculum was that condoms had a uh, like a 23 or 24% failure rate. And I thought if I got in a plane and it was like a one in four chance it was going down, why would I be talking about that as some like I safe I think the failure rate with condoms is not putting them on, isn't it? I mean, like, I, do so, they really rip open that my often? My point was there was a lot of stats, there was a lot of data, there was a lot of diagrams of how a baby's made, but I never saw anything about this is how you have fun. 
this is what you do when you want to be recreational. This is what you do here. This is what it was never done in a tone or a, in a vein of how to, you know, how to enjoy yourself. It was very clinical and very factual, factual and very, um, you know, it, there was just a lot of data. It just, so should we offer salacious. that to so, yeah. our students? Should so I have we no offer problem that to with that. If it's done like that, I mean, it's just, again, it's just, it's anatomy. It's, it's information. It is anatomy. It's like, but the problem is, is I remember even, distinctly in seventh grade, I had this paper this size and it had a penis and you had to label all the parts of it. And then there was, I don't remember the girl getting to label it, but I remember labeling all the penis parts. But then after this that, it's this like, what do you do with this information? <laughs> I don't think this is getting edited it's into not. the TV. So, you know, it's so should we, are we ready Sunday here morning. in Utah to finally, after that. we see all these STDs, say we need to teach more than abstinence? 83% of our 15 to 17 year olds who have a communicable disease are ready. I think that's another fake I, news I will, stat I, I, you're throwing We're absolutely ready. And, and we're, we're, I'm crying here. I think it's allergies, not this. Our disconnect from where our kids are and what they're doing. Also, we've long had this hard time. Here's what I feel about morals and values with my children. I believe a couple things about them. They're mine to direct. Yeah. I also believe that if my kids can't exercise those without any any opposition to it, I haven't done a really good job. If, if the notion is I'll uninform them and they will only exercise their values as long as they're only with people who have their same values, mm -hmm. then they're actually not instilled. I'm not saying you're saying no, no, anything in the post. But absolutely, we have to, have to start educating and preparing our kids factually, mm -hmm. um, biologically. And then when it comes to fun or how we feel about sex, Bring that back home. Have that discussion well, with the Sunday dinner. What, what I'm saying yeah, is that I don't, my recollection <laughs> when Hughes I was household. a student was that there were no morals, uh, you know, advancing or advocating for or telling you no so about. So why have the Republicans in, in the, the state legislature was inserted the morality information. into this? It was just information. And it was Former how it Speaker works. of the House, they, why? They told, when they told you about contraception, they didn't tell you that it's good or bad or whether it's fun to use or not to use or you shouldn't use. They just say, here here's your, here are your odds. Here's how it actually works by way of right. preventing pregnancy. Here's what it does to prevent STDs versus pregnancy. And they're not always the same. I mean, there was just, there's information that they would provide in the, and without any editorial tone about whether it was good or bad. It was just information. So why have we been so slow? So I don't why get is it. The I don't know. That's fine. So I got no problem with that. That's fine. But I just think, you know, when we when we debated this in the legislature, it really wasn't a debate about micromanaging the curriculum on the legislative level. It was let's just let the districts and the school boards decide what they want to do, and we left it to them. Great cues. We just got done talking about it's fine to tell the school districts to talk about guns, and now you're like, I don't want to be a micromanager. I pick a concur. lane. Pick no. a lane. I know. I'm, I'm not saying I oppose it. Younger. Saying, younger. I, I, look, you asked if the AG should do it. <laughs> yeah. AG can do it. If school boards are ready to do it, they can do it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, what I'm saying is. Because the legislature didn't have a hand in what was going to be taught, right. I would argue that the legislature is not going to create the gun safety leg uh, curriculum either. But what I'm saying is that those that can should, and we should. And as a lawmaker, I didn't have, I was not opposed to sex education. I, I don't think that you should be advocating how you, to apply the but information. But we should be educated. I just don't think you should. Education is important. So what we've come down to right now is we're still not teaching kids about sex in schools. So I'm parents, sure. I don't know. I mean, maybe in the locker room, like the no, kids are talking about it. sex ed classes. We are not. There's sex ed teaching. classes. No, Greg, read the statute as mandated 
by our friends They're supposed at the to teach you not to do it. They're supposed to talk to you about abstinence. They're not supposed to talk to you. Here's something. My daughter goes to a Catholic school, and she is being more exposed to sex education than, than my child who has gone to public schools. That says something hey, when the look, Catholics are more progressive with you about that. If they say that abstinence has a 100% success rate, I mean, you can throw that out there. It's a true stat. I mean, but you could put it in the stats with the other... I know you things. don't mean to be that uneducated about it. I'm we saying have, abstinence can we have be a path. To we don't have to be that tools. cynical. We can't, this no. is, this can't is, even bring it up. You can. And if you, you guys can. need help, sure. we have some cool encyclopedias at my house <laughs> that have really nice pictures in them. And they go everything from like an eyeball to a whale to how babies are made. And my son, years ago... Uh, was bringing this book around the library, not the library, the neighborhood to people's houses after we saw that. We were like, maybe we should let other families talk about it. But if you need that book, we have it at my house. There's That's really cool job. pictures. Great nice explanations. Yeah, so the book is at my house. I'm ready to go. Oh, there's the internet. Are we on the next topic yeah, yet? Yeah, we're going to let you have one. a topic that you're excited about. Oh, James a- Comey. <laughs> yes. So oh, he's had an interesting liar, week. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I saw him on Twitter yesterday asking the media to apologize to him. He's like, I won't demand man that you apologize to me, but I ask that you do because you Only were wrong. Only in America can you be the head chief law enforcement official of the United States of America, the FBI director. Okay. Have 72 pages from, uh, was it Michael Horowitz, who was an Obama appointee in the Office of Inspector General, spend 72 pages talking about how you fundamentally lied and misled people and misrepresented uh, discussions and decisions in front of Congress, say that you're not going to go to jail for it and have someone declare victory. I I think it's a very sad day, and I'm going to take it even further than just this situation and this chaos with this President President Trump and Russia and all the things that I think if you read that Inspector General report, if you look at what's inside those pages of that report, there is so much unilateral decision and gamesmanship that's going on with this FBI director that I think the ripple effect we're still suffering through as a country. But let's go before that. There was a time when the Attorney General of the United States uh, had a meeting with pre- former President uh, Bill Clinton, and that meeting that was caught on a, a Arizona news film camera uh, cr- made it so that she could not make decisions in the Hil- Hillary Clinton email issue. That was meant the she tarmac had to meeting? Recuse. Yes, the tarmac okay. meeting. I go back there because I want everyone <clears throat> to drop their partisan preference of presidents, whether it's Democrat or Republican. I just want to... I want to go back to the during the Obama administration. The attorney when none general, of us were part of she had to recuse <laughs> herself, okay, from yeah. that investigation with former Secretary of State Hillary right. Clinton because of this interaction. Correct. It had at least the appearance of a conflict. Mm-hmm. So that gave James Comey more discretion as the mm-hmm. FBI director than he would typically have. Usually, the, the Justice Department decides whether to proceed or not in yep. a case. Not only did he get to have make that decision himself as the FBI director, which isn't common, but then right before the eve of the election in November, told Congress and told America he was going to go ahead and reopen that case against Hillary Clinton right. with the email investigation and those unsecured emails. There are many on the, Dem- the Democrat side that would say that that uh, harmed Hillary Clinton's chances of becoming president. He unilaterally decided to do that. There was a lot of commentary that he didn't run that by channels in the Justice Department, that he was cavalier in what he had done, and that there was great impact, negative impact, to those decisions. If you look at this Inspector General report in terms of the way he spoke to the President Trump when he was President-elect, all that he did, it mirrors the very behavior when 
he served under President Obama. And the takeaway here is this guy did not, he did not follow the rules. He was cavalier in his decisions. Whatever he thought was the case, he justified to the point where he didn't follow protocol or procedure, and it's wrong. And it's wrong and it's dangerous for this country, and I think so much of what we're going through in terms of deep state and conspiracies and everything, you can boil it down to this FBI director fundamentally misrepresenting information to Congress, holding documents he was supposed to give back, and the, it, it just goes on and on. He has not been a good player in any administration, and he has cr created damage to this country. I think that report, everyone wants to celebrate he's not going to jail. I think that's a very, very low bar for the director of the FBI. I, I feel like that's the same bar we're holding the president to sometimes. No, I don't, <laughs> no. actually. I think one of the things they asked, they were oh, worried Mara about. Oh, made a face. I know, but look, one of the things is, did he fire James Comey? And was that obstruction of justice? That was one of the things that he's been taking yeah, a lot of criticism it is true. for. Now that you read this report, this man deserved to be fired for, for a while, not just under uh, President so Trump. So I haven't interrupted you because I, 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 you I were letting him vent. Because it's a truth bomb. bomb. We should hold people in high offices who directly lie to us accountable. Yeah. And they should not be reelected. They should not be reappointed. So they really. should not be considered to be trustworthy to the people. I think you're absolutely right about... Uh. Looking at best practices, yeah. I think you're absolutely right about unilateral decision-making. I think you're absolutely right about not sta following standard protocols. I think you're absolutely right about not following change of command. Like, for example, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe if your your uh, national security advisors give you advice, maybe maybe consider their thoughtfulness in that. I think those criteria is we should agree to hold all of our elected and appointed officials responsible to. My retort, I know, I I know like your implication here. I would I tell like you that, that. The, the criticisms or the inferences you're making are within the job of being president that you might not agree with, but I don't believe he has lied. I don't believe he has... I believe what he is. Don't tell me that Donald Trump has not lied. He even knows he's lied. This is the largest investigation that's ever taken place. I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about Wednesday morning's Donald Trump. I'm not even bringing Melania into it. I'm just saying Donald Trump lies. No, it's not the same. Look, James Comey's associates, those that were around him, were shocked to find out that he lied to them. I'm not defending Comey. When he was leaving. You're supposed to turn over everything. Amen. Yeah. He said he did. He Amen. was hiding things. He Amen. was lying I to thought, the very people I he worked with. I absolutely am a believer that he messed up Hillary Clinton's campaign. That was a game changer 10 days out for her. Absolutely he was beyond scope. I'm just saying, as you I always tell me, you can't have different rationales. You can disagree Your with what the Your mantra is you can't have different level. rationales, my friends. He's not acted the way Comey well, I'm going to miss you two together. <laughs> He went. He said, I'm, I, maybe, I'm getting too "Maybe I'm yeah. getting too granular we on this hate one." Comey with but you. there is a scene I watched last night where they asked him. They said, "When you went to Trump Tower, when there was the transition, and President Trump okay. was president elect, you went to the president and said, there's a there's a story that's yeah. probably going to come out in the media, and it's unverified, and we don't believe it's the case, uh, and there it's about your allegations of your conduct in yeah. Moscow." Right. He said, we're not investigating you. That's not going to be an issue. It turns out in this report that he was, in fact, that was a meeting he had to see right. what the president's reaction would be. He left Trump Tower and had a, had a meeting with this crossfire hurricane investigation about Donald Trump to talk about what his reaction was to the information he was he was sharing with him, which meant he was in a full-fledged investigation right. of this yeah. man, which he was yeah. misrepresenting yep. and misrepresented to Congress. But what was even scarier is when he testified in Congress, 
He said, I had that private conversation because I didn't want the president to feel that it was like a gotcha moment or I would leverage it. Every word that he said was untrue in a very duplicitous way. I agree. And when you read and that, after William Barr has his family you? reunion at a Trump hotel, we should just drain the swamp. Hey, and look, but you know what? You he's can't say that, that William Barr is in, all in the pocket of, of President Trump when he's not pursuing crime. I mean, I think Comey's the guy that went after Martha Stewart. Yeah, he put her. In, he, tr he put her in jail. Your ace she in the hole a, is a, ending a with Martha. Jail, but he went after her because she yeah. wasn't truthful. To a man that we just read seventy-two pages from an inspector general saying he wasn't untruth. He was untruthful all the time to his colleagues, to the people he worked with, to the president of the United States. It's a Agreed. very disturbing I won't report. Defend it's it. a very disturbing. No more report. writing books, Mr. Comey. No, no more showing Please, up on the late night shows. Go away. Enough carnage already. Clean up, everybody. Seriously, we need like a big bar of soap in Washington. Ugh. Clean it up. All right. We had so many other topics, but we've talked about so much um, Comey and <laughs> sex today that we ran out of time. But uh, Trump's using FEMA funds for ice courts and immigration jails. We'll have to get to that later. And I the 2020 race is getting smaller. About that. You do? Okay, we are like we're a trillion dollars I'm giving you each debt. now we got all these Okay, Democrat I'm giving you each 60 seconds because I love this. Trump created a crisis at the border based on racism no. and and in you have and, more people and trying to get over up that there's caravans. He's created a problem. I no. don't tell me Obama also switched funds because it was totally different. So no. don't even go down that no. road. I'm telling you, Trump people trying to abuse crisis. the asylum. Now we are headed into the season of natural dis natural disasters. We have ICE agents that are not rounding up highest and worst criminals, but in fact arresting people because they're Th those they're resources brown. are on the border because they're being flooded by these right. asylum uh, because people declaring Trump asylum. Trump has created a problem which everyone by says, we racism. can't we can't detain them in this inhumane. Way. We're putting resources to do this the best way we we're can. We're not going after criminals. We're going after that. families. We need oh, a nuclear not. weapon we're, we're to end these hurricanes. The asylum cases, but we're not saying go back and come back someday for well, your Well, then court why don't you do it on time and on up. budget and stop taking Congress needs to allocate money for that effort money. so he doesn't have to. In yeah, it is, it's hard to fund systemic to to racism. It, it requires oh, resources. Oh, I wish we it's had another just, 30 minutes for this. He's adjudicating these asylum cases. That's what you want. That's what everybody was complaining, that the way he was trying to do that wasn't working. It was inhumane. Put more resources to do it the right way. And that's what ICE does, is adjudicate asylum claims? Am I confused about what ICE does? Some of the money is going to ICE and some that is going to the, the court. Went to the court. Yeah. 155 of the 200 million the went to the courts. Right. ICE is to make sure that and it's I'm all working. And I'm for the courts. I'm for actually funding. Thank you. You're all right. Holy. Well, Thank the good so news much. right now is the latest uh, European model has Hurricane, I almost said Hurricane because we live in Utah, that drives mm. me nuts, Dorian maybe getting away from Florida, so maybe he'll have the cash to use if we don't get any more. No, FEMA director said yeah. they, have the, they have the resources necessary to handle this, which was a big question. They do because right. they're responsible. Yes. Responsibility yeah. is good. It's a good administration. Thank you, Mara, for hanging out with us. You're Greg, welcome. thank you so much. Thank I feel you. like we could just hang out for hours and squabble we with each other. Going. I like we this can. conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Tell your friends to listen, subscribe, and Mara will be back because Happy. Jim is going to need some breaks. Yes, he will. Happy Labor Day weekend. Absolutely. Happy Labor Day.